everyone, you're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Please welcome the lovely and talented Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen. I remember one day I was coming home from kindergarten. Well, they told me it was kindergarten. Found out later I've been working in a factory for two years. Look at Ellen DeGeneres today. Forbes magazine lists her as one of the most powerful people in Hollywood. I just wrote you out a check for $10,000. It's $20,000. It is just reprehensible that ABC is going to feature Ellen as coming out of the closet. I'm so afraid to tell people. I mean, I just... Susan, I'm gay. To say the words, I'm gay, like I said, it had been shame. It had been all these all these feelings that society feeds you on a daily basis to, to tell you that you're wrong. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim. Ellen DeGeneres is in a very public war of words with an anti-gay lobby group. It's saying the openly gay Ellen does not represent family values. So... I stand for honesty, equality, kindness, compassion, treating people the way you want to be treated, and helping those in need. To me, those are traditional values. That's what I stand for. I'd like to welcome all of you to our services, especially all of those in different locations. How are you guys doing? Pretty well? Yeah. You know, certain people are so iconic, so popular. If you just say one name, you know who you're talking about. You know, like Cher, Madonna, Oprah, Rihanna, Brittany, Angelina. And today, Ellen. As you know, we've been in a series called What Would Jesus Say? What would Jesus say to Ellen? And here's what's been the aha about this series. You know, as you get into it, as I've gotten into it, I think some people thought, oh, you're going to slam celebrities. You're going to talk about what celebrities do wrong. Well, we've been saying around here that celebrities are simply a reflection of you and me. In other words, we like to look at them and go, oh yeah, I would never spend my money that way. I would never do that. I would never hook up with this person. I would not treat my spouse that way. That's what a lot of us say. But what's happened is we realize that they're simply a reflection of your life and mine. So as we've looked at these celebrities, as we've seen what Jesus has said to them, we've been like, wow, that speaks to me. Haven't you been that way? I have. Wow, that's up in my grill. Wow, that is very, very convicting. We've been talking about what would Jesus say, right? What would Jesus say to these celebrities? Well, today I wanted to flip the script. I want to do something totally different in this series. What if, just use your imaginations for a second, what if Ellen had Jesus to come on her show? What if Ellen sat down on the couch? What if Ellen interviewed our Lord? What would she say? I think one of the things she would say is she would probably go, well, well Jesus, you know, you're, you're a serious person. I mean, the, the, the images I have of you are very stoic, pale, frail, 
just speaking truth and, and no real humor, no real comedy. I mean, Jesus, as you know, I'm a comic. I make people laugh for a living. I've made squillions of dollars doing so. What do you think about that, Jesus? And I think to her shock and awe, Jesus would say, Helen, I invented comedy. I made it up. I thought it up. And a lot of us don't realize the humor of Jesus. In fact, Elton Trueblood, back in the day, wrote a book about the laughter and the joy and the humor of Jesus. I'll just give you one example. This is Hebrew humor. And Hebrew humor back in the day was exaggeration. Jesus said, man, don't point out a speck in someone else's contact lens when you've got a sequoia tree in your eye. Exaggeration. That's Hebrew humor. The camel going through the eye of the needle. Hebrew humor. Jesus was full and is full of joy and laughter. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Outrageous, contagious joy. That should be the hallmark of who I am and who you are. And I think it would probably shock Alan to hear that. Just think about it. God could have made the prevailing attitude that of being boring, somber, predictable. He didn't know. He made it one of outrageous and contagious joy. When you laugh and when I laugh, we release more T-cells, more endorphins. Our entire muscular system just chills. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Do you know people of that crushed spirit? Those people that just don't have that outrageous, contagious joy? I think Jesus would look into Ellen's blue eyes and say, Ellen, I love your laughter. I love the way you make people laugh. I've gifted you that way. Go for it. That's an awesome thing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 4. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Isn't it true that most of us take ourselves too seriously and we don't take God seriously enough? Have you ever hung out with someone that just take themselves too seriously? That guy, that girl, I mean, they just take everything personally. It's like you can't say anything. You can't joke with them. Oh, did I hurt your feelings? I didn't mean that, man. Please, no, no, no. Don't take that. I was just, I was just making you laugh. I was just joking. I think it's important for us just to laugh at ourselves. Think about God's sense of humor. He made you and he made me. Look around, look around the church. Look around at all of our campuses. You want to laugh, just, just do like a little panoramic view. Look at us. Have you ever thought about how funky a lot of the animals look too? An anteater? Yeah. <laughs> An elephant? An ant? Strange creatures. How about a hammerhead shark? Weird stuff. Funny stuff. Humorous stuff. And I don't think we sometimes think about these things when we think about God. So I think Ellen would just go, hey, I mean, I mean, comedy? I do comedy. Aren't, aren't you going to kind of talk against it, Jesus? And Jesus would say, no, no, no. I think it's glorious. In People Magazine, here's what Ellen said. She said, I was helping, talking about humor, I was helping my mother cope with a broken heart 
and it brought us closer together and made me realize the power of humor. The power of humor. As I read about Ellen's life, you read about her parents splitting up. You read about her mom having a broken heart, suffering with cancer. Then you see her just busting out all of this funny stuff to help her mom. Sometimes when our leadership team here has an opportunity to talk to other leaders or, or when people come to observe one of our staff meetings like a couple of leaders did a few days ago, one of the first things they tell me is this. They go, I can't believe you guys laugh so much. <laughs> and at first, when I first started hearing that, I was like, man, that's, ooh, maybe that's not that great. But the more I've studied Scripture and the more I've seen how creativity and truth and ideas emerge from laughter, now I'm like, it's a good thing that we laugh so much. We laugh a lot. Make sure you laugh. Sometimes you've got to force yourself to laugh. And, and people have some funny laughs. A friend of mine, as I've told you before, laughs like this. <laughs> and when something is borderline funny, he gives it one. <laughs> I have another friend that laughs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Every time he does that. And my uncle, who recently went to be with the Lord, he had a great laugh. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> laugh. It's good for you. I think Jesus would say that. And I think in this conversation, Jesus would also say to Ellen, Ellen, you know, since you asked me this question about humor, which I think is, is godly. In fact, I, I made it up. It's good. I also, Ellen, love your heart. I believe Jesus would say that. You've got to love the heart of Ellen. Immensely talented, personal, engaging. The New York Times did an interview about her humor and her heart. She said, I try to keep every single thing positive. It's so expected now that every joke, is that the truth, has to be mean-spirited. Everything has to be against somebody. I don't think it's healthy. I love that. And there's no doubt Jesus would applaud that. He would applaud that. And I'm sure again, Ellen would go, whoa, you mean you're not a cosmic killjoy? You mean, you mean you're not here to rain on my parade? Jesus would say, no, I love your heart. I don't know about you, but I like to, to go where I'm celebrated, not tolerated. Are you ever with people sometimes, it's like, man, they're just kind of, you know, just, 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 just tolerating me. You kind of have this kind of feel, this weird vibe, like, yeah. And other times you go into other circles, it's like, oh, they love me. Hey, give me some love. I love you, man. And certain people just encourage us and build us up. Life is too short to be around haters. <laughs> Sipping that haterade. As I've told you, one of the biggest mistakes in my life, and I, and I learned this as a kid, but I gotta tell you again, as a kid, I remember going out you know, to recess, you know. <laughs> and most people liked me. They, they did, I mean, they, they liked me, you know. Hey, Ed, how you doing? But there was always one or two, you know. You know what I'm talking about. 
who just, you could tell they just didn't like you. And I remember even as a kid going, I'm going to get those people to like me. I'll play kickball with them, basketball with them, you know, whatever it was, football. But at the end of the school year, they still didn't like me. So I learned a lesson, and, I, and I've thought about that a lot. A few people just don't like you. That's all right. They just tolerate you. They tolerate me. That's okay. Love them, but go with the people who celebrate you. Go with the people who build you up. Go with the people who encourage you. The Bible commands us to encourage one another. And the church should be a place where we encourage people. So slap your neighbor and say, somebody encourage one another. Now, don't slap them, but, you know, just kind of tap them. Yeah, no lawsuits here. I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. Ephesians 4, 29 highlights it again. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up. I love that according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So I have an opportunity as a follower of Christ, so do you, every time I see someone, to build them up. And i got to ask you something. Are you in the construction business or the destruction business? I mean, are you like, you know, that, that, that ginormous crane ripping people apart? Tearing them apart, giving them that look, you know, or are you going, wow, man, man, you are the man, you're the woman. I don't mean phony praise. I don't mean fake stuff. Sometimes people, it's just like too much. Come on, man. It's not that. You know what I'm saying to you, don't you? You got to keep it real. But, but, but we can find positive and encouraging things to say to one another, to our kids, to our spouse, encouraging things. Like that child has a great voice. See, that's a great cry. Ah! So that's a good, that's a great voice. You have a future at Fellowship Church. I, man, I've always had a loud voice my whole life, and everybody pretty much on the stage, all the people that help us here have loud voices, loud, loud voices. So I think, I think Jesus would, would have an incredible conversation with Ellen she would definitely talk to him about, about her, her whole situation with humor. I think that would shock her that Jesus is all about excitement, creativity, innovation. I think Jesus would applaud, no doubt, her comedy. He would applaud her, her, her life being an encourager, keeping it on the up and up, you know, constructing others. But you know what? Let's just, again, keep it real. The elephant in the room, the elephant in the room, when Jesus and Ellen are having this conversation, is the, is the gay issue. It is. I think Ellen would ask Jesus, Jesus, I'm gay. What do you have to say about it? I mean, I've heard what people say that you say about it. And I'm sure she would go, and I don't believe what people say about me or, or, or what people post or 
or what they blog about, or what the media says. Jesus, what, what do you say? I mean, you're, you're the son of God. What do you say about, about my gay lifestyle? I think Jesus would, would, would say, first of all, Ellen, I applaud your honesty. I applaud your honesty. As her life unfolded, Ellen was 13 years old, her mother fresh off of a divorce, struggling with cancer. She began to use humor and comedy to help heal her mom. From there, her mom remarried, and and then something tragic happened in Ellen's life. She was molested by her stepfather. She didn't say a word about it until after she graduated from high school. Then she came clean and told her mom. And soon thereafter, as her career soared, she had a gay relationship with a poet who tragically, this lady was was killed in an accident. And then we know the rest of the story from Johnny Carson. You know, Johnny, after, some of you are too young to know this, but Johnny, when, when a comedian would do a great job, he would invite them over to sit on his couch. And if you got a chance to sit on Johnny's couch, that was like, wow, whole nother level, you know? So here's this girl. She, she busts out this encouraging, hilarious comedy, and Johnny brings her over, and she sits on Johnny's couch. And from there, her career blew up, and then course, you have the Ellen Show. A recent Harris poll said that Ellen is America's favorite TV personality, Emmy Award winning, People's Choice Awards just, just are coming left and right. Jesus would say, Ellen, I'm glad you're honest. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad that you have told the truth about your life. In Time Magazine, She did an interview about coming out of the closet. I didn't choose to be anything other than a comedian. I just happened to be gay. And I don't feel like keeping it a secret. So I announced it. It turned into this whole big political thing. Wow. Boldness. Matthew chapter 10, verse 17, do not give false testimony. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, speaking the truth in love We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. What would Jesus say, though, to Ellen? What would the Son of God, our Lord, say to her? Obviously, he would applaud her honesty. Then he would say, Ellen, I want to be totally transparent and honest with you. You've been honest with me honest with squillions of people who love you. I've got to be honest with you. Homosexuality is not God's best for your life. I believe Jesus would say, Ellen, I love you where you are, but I love you too much to allow you to remain the same. I think also Jesus might point to a number of, quote, Christians who've been very hateful and very mean-spirited toward the gay community. I believe he would do that. And I believe he would say, Ellen, some of these extreme folks have been 
wrong. But the bottom line is, Elliot, I believe Jesus, bottom line is, Ellen, homosexuality is not my ideal. It's all about a worldview, isn't it? Those of us who were followers of Christ, once we become followers of Christ, and, and he would say, Ellen, you know, I know you have a worldview. Everybody has different worldviews. Some worldviews are based on feelings. Others are based on academia. Others are based on experiences. And others are based on science or whatever. Everybody has a worldview. Everybody has a view, some, kind of some lenses that we see the world through. I, I have a lot of different sunglasses, and I love polarized sunglasses. I run in certain types of glasses usually, and I do outdoor activities in certain types of glasses, and I'm really big on taking care of my glasses and picking the right lenses for what I'm going to do that day. If it's cloudy, I go with more of kind of a, a yellow amber lens. If it's dark, you know what I'm saying to you. Everybody has a unique worldview. And those of us who are followers of Christ, we've got to say, okay, my worldview starts with God. God is sovereign, I'm not. God is God, I'm not. And I believe Jesus would say, Ellen, you've got to come to that point. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm having this conversation with you. So we either align with God's principles and precepts, or we malign God's principles and precepts. It might be okay, we might feel it for a while, but after a while it's not going to get us where we want to go. So first of all, first of all, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all. That's the first aspect of this worldview. Jesus runs the show. In John chapter 1 verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of, say it with me, Say it loud. Grace. And? Truth. And? Truth. That's right. Grace and truth. We're going to talk about grace, 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 grace. Yeah. And Christ is all about grace. There's no doubt about it. Compassion. No question. But also, he's about truth. He's also about speaking the truth, telling the truth. Building bridges, that's grace, and drawing lines in the sand, that's truth. Jesus loves you and me so much, he's going to tell us, and he tells us time and time again, the truth. So Ellen, here is the truth, the truth, the truth. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all. That is where a worldview starts. If you want to have great alignment in your life, then it starts with me. And, and so often, those of us who are Christ followers either fall in one of two camps. We're either with the, the grace, just a compassion piece, compassion and compassion and grace, and compassion and more compassion and grace and grace and grace and grace. Okay, that's cool. But also, too, we have to understand the truth. And, and, and the truth, because there's no conversion without conviction, we got to speak the truth, but we speak the truth in Love. So I know a lot of people who are in this kind of mean spirited truth like that, and that's not the deal. Nor is it like yeah, oh yeah. It's not that. 
You know, we straddle, right? The two, we bring them together, and that comes through Jesus saying, Jesus, you're Lord, I'm not. You're God, I'm not. The second part of a worldview, because everybody has one, and what's yours based on? Well, I feel it. I've experienced this, and that's just kind of what I'm going to do. I'll have a little bit of God, a little bit of truth, a lot of grace. That's just me, you know. And I heard this professor say in one of my classes that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, the sovereignty of God and also the scriptures of God, two handles when we think about the Christian worldview, the Word of God. We believe the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. We believe it is the Word of God, the inerrant Word of God. We're under the authority of the Word of God. Jesus is Lord, and we're under the authority of the Bible. Now, some say, well, Jesus never really talked about the gay lifestyle. And I'm sure Ellen, who has read on this, she'll probably go, well, did you ever even talk about the gay lifestyle or God's ideal concerning relationships? Well, well, Jesus did. He would probably say, uh, uh, Gospel of Mark, Ellen, chapter 10, verses 6 through 8. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. All right? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. God created erotic love for the covenant of marriage. Buy my book, This Experiment. It just came out in paperback. <laughs> and the great thing, you know, the truth. The great thing about buying the book is everything goes to Fellowship Church. So you're helping the church and helping people understand what sex is all about. So quick commercial. But <laughs> sex primarily is for pleasure within the covenant of marriage. Pleasure. God invented pleasure. Wow. All right? Secondarily for procreation. Then on top of that, Jesus would probably point to many, many scripture verses and go, just think about the church that has to do with my relationship. You know, the bride and the bridegroom, that whole connectivity. So, yes, Jesus talked about what marriage is all about. Marriage, Ellen, is for one man and one woman in the covenant and context of marriage. That's what is there. In marriage, you have the masculine and the feminine qualities of God merging together. So within the act of marriage, when a couple makes love, you have the bonding, the oneness. I remember when Lisa, thank the Lord Lisa did this, explained the birds and the bees to the twins. You know, the twins listened, and they were like, okay. And it's like they, they kind of knew the deal. And then they said, well, 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 mommy, how about those who were gay? The parts don't fit. That's a fact. The parts don't fit. So even, Ellen, if it's your preference, it's not God's purpose. At Fellowship Church, we love everybody. Are you kidding me? We're all fallible. We're all fallen. We all mess up. And as I say all the time, we don't want to confuse, confuse acceptance with approval. We accept every single person. Everybody. I don't care where you're from. And Jesus accepts Ellen. But that doesn't mean that we applaud the lifestyle, the sin in your life or in my life. That's very, very important. So I think 
I, I really believe Jesus would say some of these things. So, so then you, you, you start talking about the subject, and, and maybe Ellen would say, well, you know, this is how God made me. You know, I am who I am, so I got to do what I do. I am who I am, so I got to do what I do. I'm just following this, this, this vibe, this flow. I mean, how cruel of God, I've heard this said, for him to give me these desires, yet then to say, no, you can't do that. I mean, I, I am what I am, so I just do what I do. It sounds like it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's correct. But if you take that and run with it, man, you can get involved into some, some whack stuff. We're all predisposed to behavior that doesn't honor God. We have a genetic and synetic condition. I have it from my family of origin, so do you. What if I said, well, you know, dad is just a pathological liar. I just can't help myself. I I just got to, I am what I am, so I do what I do. I I I just have this predisposition, this proclivity for this activity to just do it. Well, I would, I would get in serious trouble. Well, my mother, man, she, she ripped off a bunch of convenience stores. I just, I'm just wired that way. i got to follow my instincts. There's a convenience store now, you know. And then some say, what, what, if, what if there's a gay gene? And as I've studied homosexuality and written about sexuality, if you interview people and talk to people, they point to an experience in their life where someone has taken advantage of them at a very impressionable age. They talk about their family, maybe an absentee father, an absentee mother, or a domineering father, or a domineering mother. Some, though, just point to, I don't know why I'm this way. And there's mystery to it. There's no doubt about it. There's some mystery to it. But let's say, for example, that there is a gay gene. Let's say that. Well, does that mean, Ellen, that you got to just go, wow, I, you know, I, I can't help myself. You know, I love to play basketball. Well, what if there was a basketball gene? I'm 6'8", got a 42-inch vertical jump. I'm quick as a cat. I just can't help it. i got to play the game. No, you don't. I mean, that's great. You're 6'8", 42 inch vertical jump, but you don't have to play the game. You choose to play the game. So I believe at the end of the day, it is a choice. Some powerful words, and I believe Jesus would, would, would bring this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? And so we're getting ready to think, oh boy, I mean, the scripture's going to slam homosexual. I know, I know, I know where he's going. I know where he's going. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor, ooh, the greedy, ouch, nor drunkards, ooh, nor slanders, nor Swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Man, it's quiet. 
We need some grace, don't we? <laughs> that was truth. Whoa. And that is what some of you were. A great place to clap right there. Think about it. In the Corinthian church, that's what they were. That's what they were. Isn't that great? That's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So, Jesus would say, Ellen, homosexuality is not my best. It's a sin, just like slander is a sin, just like premarital sex is a sin, just like lying is a sin. I mean, sin is sin. And friends, we're saved by the grace of God. But we've got to know the truth. And we've got to have conviction before conversion. So no matter where you are right now, maybe it's your time to make this decision. I'm glad when I read that I can go, were. Because I've been washed, not because of what I've done, but because of the grace of God. But first I had to hear the truth. I've been washed, I've been cleansed, I've been sanctified and justified and now pasteurized. So, I don't care what you're involved in, where you are. Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. And he would say, Ellen, I love you right where you are. You're awesome, but get under my authority. Live by my word. And I'm telling you, once you live by my word, through my view, through my lenses, your life will never be the same. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for your truth. And I pray right now, Father, if there's somebody here, somebody here who has never, ever, ever made this grace reception, I pray that right now you'd simply say, Jesus, just say it to yourself, Jesus, I I want to be totally honest with you. That's what confession means. You're not telling him something he doesn't know. You're agreeing with him. I want to come clean, Lord, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. I turn from my sins, God, just say that, and I turn to you. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And at this moment, I open up the lid of my life and ask you to infiltrate my life. Welcome to my world. Others here are still investigating. You're still testing waters. Maybe for the first time you thought about, wow, that's what it means to have, to have, a, to have a biblical worldview. I didn't know that. Maybe it's time to do some real thought and some reading and to take a look at your worldview. Maybe it's time to reach out to people that you rub shoulders with every day who are far away from God, who are involved in all sorts of things. We're called to do it, to be light and leaven and salt. So Father, I thank you for a church that's all about your grace and truth. It's all about your truth and grace. And I thank you for these decisions that were rendered here and at all of our campuses. In Christ's name we pray. 
you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.